There are little girls out there right now who are scared to tinker around on cars because they don't think it's right. There are little girls right now who are scared to talk about cars or, or, or wear cargo pants because they don't think it's right. And they need to see you doing what you do so that they know not only is it okay, but it's accepted and they can rock out. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Today in the driver's seat, I have Amanda Gordon. She owns the Gojo Auto Dealership. And this dealership is located in Denver, Colorado and employs a sales staff that is 100% powered by women. Today, I am sitting down with Amanda. Amanda, thank you very much for joining us on Femcanic Garage. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for having me. You have no idea uh, how elated I am to be speaking with a fellow female in automotive. Woo, woo. I tell you what, Amanda, I I connected with you on Instagram. I saw a lot of your videos and it was your infectious enthusiasm that just fascinated me and reached out to you to see if this would be something you'd be interested in and you graciously accepted. I would love for you to share your journey with the listeners, particularly around how did you get started? What got you into it? So funny you should ask. I um, absolutely, when when I was in elementary school or middle or high school, for that matter, when someone asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, never did I imagine that I would say I want to own a car dealership. So the car dealership kind of found me. Uh, We've been rocking with it ever since. So I got in the business in 2002. I was actually in school and I was working at The Gap. I was a cool kid. You couldn't tell me anything. I just moved to Denver from California. Um, And at this point in time, Gap Denim was all the crave. Like if you did not have a pair of Gap jeans, you just were like, who even were you? Right. And so this young lady came into my Gap store. She said, don't even try to sell me your denim. I don't care about your jeans. Don't even try it. They don't fit me. I'm shaped oddly. (laughs) Don't even, don't even attempt. And so I attempted because I don't ever hear the word. No. Um, It's one of my superpowers. And it uh, took me two hours. I found her multiple pairs of Gap denim. She said, you should come work. I said, well, what do you do? She said, I work with Honda. So I think it was that following Monday, I went to uh, Honda, to the store, met her. And I come to find out she was a finance manager and she wanted me to get on the sales floor. She started in sales herself. And um, she told me how great of an opportunity it was. I didn't really dig cars, like I wasn't a gearhead or, or super motorsport type of chick, but I did love people. I could be around people all day long. I just love people. I love making people happy. Um, and what better way than to sell them cars? I knew about Hondas. My boyfriend in high school drove a, drove a Honda, so I um, was familiar with the different trim levels, so that helped me. As they say, the rest is history. Being... <laughs> Here's a funny story I don't really tell too often, but I'll share with you and the listeners. I started on the sales floor. I was being, I was very successful making buku bucks. In fact, when I got my first check, I actually dropped out of school 
I had already left the gap, but after I got that first check, I was like, uh, who needs college when you're making this kind of money? I was making about the same as my parents and my parents made good money. I figured it, it, you know, if I can make this money with no degree, what's the point in going into debt? And so making great money about eight months, nine months into selling cars, I reached the high score on license points for my license because I was driving too fast and I got my license pulled. I yeah, I just lost it. I was like, what do you mean you can only get X amount of points? And I, you know, of course, that's stupid. What kind of rule is that? Well, it's not a rule, it's a law. And I lost <laughs> <laughs> You kind of need one of those to sell cars, come to find out. So my general manager, he just adored me and my enthusiasm. And he's like, well, I don't want to lose you. I guess I had enough value where he moved me into the finance office. So I became a finance manager at 21 years old, um, which is absolutely, oh my God, it was, You, I didn't know at the time how coveted this position was. I mean, I found out from my comrades because I lost about 80% of my friends on the sales floor instantly. <laughs> so now I went from making good money to great money at 21. I mean, it's just, it, it, and I had some fun, honey, let me tell you. Um, if I knew I half the things only I imagine. Oh my God, 21, fresh from California. I'm making six figures. And I say that out here to the ladies because yes, yes, you can. The car business is that lucrative that you can be, and I'm not against education. In fact, I constantly educate myself with seminars, books, um, training videos on YouTube, you know, daily. So I am all for education, but I'm just going to drop some hints for my, my moms, my single moms, my, my women out there um, who think there's no way to, to make a decent coin. The automotive industry is ready for you. I had no degree. I had, uh, I had enthusiasm and I worked my butt off. And I was making six figures at 21 years old, fresh from California. I still had my Cali swag, if you will. Did and you buy a round of drinks for everyone? Was that on the bucket? Round bottles. Oh, my God. I have so many friends. I didn't even know all their names. <laughs> right? And <it's, laughs> so, yeah, a, a lot of fun, a lot of stories. We won't get into those. So I, I'm officially sold on the industry. This is the industry I want to be in. Um, I had set my sights on becoming a manager. Well, due to the fact that I was kind of partying out of control, I stayed in finance for quite some time and then um, toggled back and forth between sales and finance. And then I did become a sales manager at an independent lot, which for the listeners out there, an independent lot is a used car lot, all pre-owned, like your CarMax is an independent lot, believe it or not. Echo Park is an independent lot because they only sell used cars. Um, and then you've got what we call your mom and pot lots who, um, you know, will have anywhere between 20 to 60 cars on their lot, somewhere around there, local dealers, just selling used cars, independent lots. So I was at an independent lot, learned a lot. That was, that was where I really got to the nitty gritty of the car business. I would say personally, because Hondas really sold themselves. New cars in general tend to sell themselves because they already have a following, they have their rep reputation, they have their brand recognition. And um, when you get to a used car, you've got to put your selling hat on, let me tell you. And you're dealing with a different type of buyer. Um, you've also got to, to find interesting and unique ways to get people financed. And it's just a different market. For me, I found satisfaction and gratification because the used car buyer tends to be more appreciative of the car and the process. 
They're more thankful, in my opinion. And I just found more, I found more purpose with used cars. So flash forward, I'm in the independent segment. And I'm now I'm helping two to three dealers start their dealership, get them successful. And then I move on to the next, started a dealership, got them successful, moved on to the next. And I had a eureka moment of, if I can do it for these mofos, why can't I do it for myself? Get you uh-huh. some of that. Yeah. And, and hello, here we are. So there are a couple of things that went into play. It was representation. There are, I can't think of any independent used car owners that are female, particularly minority. And I really couldn't think of any women who built dealerships from the ground up. They are either married into it or they inherited it, which is fine. You go, girl. I wish I inherited it. I'm not not knocking I have a question for you because you bring up a great point. And one of the things that drew me to you as well is that you're a woman of color. I've been around the industry and the automotive industry my entire life. And you just don't see women of color. No. No, you don't. And I think for me, I never knew about it. I know for me, I never knew about the automotive industry as a career path. You think of automotive, I can, some words I associate or uh, would have associated with scumbag, scoundrel. The used (laughs) cars. Yeah. Well, cars in general, when I think even new cars, you think you just don't think that, I don't know, like when you when you think of what am I going to be when I grow up, you just don't think I'm going to be a car salesman or I'm going to be a general manager at a Honda store. Right. Or I'm going to be a finance manager or I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a service advisor, which are all great, great positions and great career paths. I mean, there's nothing wrong. There's no shame. There's no negative. There shouldn't be a negative connotation, but you just don't you just don't hear about it, especially in the minority communities. I mean, unfortunately, like in the minority communities, I think it's like you either have to play ball or be a movie star to make money, right? Like those are the only ways out. And and the car business for me has given me so much freedom and flexibility and growth and knowledge and connections and resources. I mean, the list goes on and I'm so thankful for it. For that reason, I felt like the only other option for me was to own so that I could change that narrative and I could be that visual representation of the minority woman owning a car dealership so that other little girls, not just minority, but women in general, young ladies could say, huh, maybe owning a car dealership is something I want to do because why not? It's just about seeing ourselves. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I've had conversations like this regarding like mentorship you know a lot of young boys have mentors because most ceos cfos managers general managers even principals are men and they can take on a protege that looks talks and walks like them so it's easier for them to take on a mentee that looks like them i was fortunate enough i had multiple male mentors who saw something in me and didn't care about the stereotypical relationship of, oh, am I crossing the line? They just saw, I see a spark in this girl and I'm going to help her reach greatness. And I am so thankful. And I still have two of those men in my life who still help me today because I still make mistakes, believe it or not. And they're there to rescue me. 
They, they catch me when I fall, which thank God isn't as often as it used to be because of men like that. And I'm speaking to the men listeners out there too. help these women. Okay. You can help forget about stereotypes. You can help these women become, become great and become uh, into positions that are typically held by men because we are more than capable of holding these positions. For crying out loud, if we can birth a child, we can manage a dealership. So well Hello. said. So well said. Because it, it so, is about uh, mentorship between women, but there's been so many men that have mentored me as well. And it's, it's, it's time to make that jump of having that as an option where women are mentoring women and having right. that as an option as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's part of the reason why we have an all-female staff, because one of my purposes is to uh, hire, train, and place 100 women before I retire, at least 100 women before I retire, in positions of influence within de- dealerships. And what I mean by that is sales, finance manager, general sales manager, general manager, comptroller, CFO, and owner. Not that administrative positions are not important. They are very important. But it's time that we step outside our comfort zone and outside of clerical and get to the meat and potatoes of the automotive industry. Because in reality, that's where the money's at. That's where the influence is at. And that's where the change can start happening in those Absolutely. A couple of things. You, you wrote something down in your pre-interview form that fascinated me, and I did not know this. Statistically, women outsell men 11 to 8 on the sales floor. 11 to 8. I just read that stat last week. Because uh, like I, I, am, I am such a student of the industry. I'm always absorbing stats, and I'm very data-driven. So 11 to 8 on the sales floor. So why, then why are there not more women on the sales floor? Fair question. Now, I have to ask because we fast forward, you own your own dealership. I do. I'm the first African-American woman in the state of Colorado to own a, to have a dealer's license. And I, I believe I'm one of five in the nation, which is crazy to me. It's 2019. Wow. Yeah. The, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I'm speechless right now, and it, it takes quite a bit for me to be speechless. I know. I know. And and it was one of those things that was kind of bittersweet for me because I was excited, but I was also kind of disappointed in the fact that that's still a thing. Because I, I come from a place in a home, I'm, I'm biracial. My mother is German and Panamanian. My father's African-American. So I was raised multiculturally in a multicultural neighborhood. And so I, I had everything around me uh, from Sacramento, California. I had every culture around me to, to hear that stat. I'm like, yes, that's awesome that I'm the first. But then it's kind of like, is it 1955 right now? What are we doing? So right. it, it's very bittersweet. But I have to be honest, it's, it's a title and a accolade that I don't take lightly at all. And it's, it's part of my motivation and my push to do great things within this industry and, and from our dealership, again, for that representation. And I can't fail. Failure is not an option. So that's where I'm at on that. Now, I, I do have a question around you've accomplished a lot. And there's always struggle in the identifiable part around mechanic for the listeners to really connect is it's kind of like the you see the end result in the awards show it's like wow and it almost becomes unattainable and not relatable for some folks 
kind of walk through some of the challenges and struggles that you've had to work through being a female in the industry so that it gives the chance for the listeners to really connect? Sure. So first, people tend to not take you seriously. I'm a single mother, which is another area um, that's very important to me. So when I when I talk to my single moms, it's because I am one. My son is 13 and he's a car kid. There were times that the receptionist had to watch my son when he was a baby while I was in the Saturday sales meeting. There were times when my manager had to watch my kiddo when he was two or three years old while I did a cardio. So there are places that stand behind you, but but that's challenging, but you just work through it. So there were those challenges being a single mom, having to work around the schedule in the car business. I challenge dealers out there. In fact, I'm, I'm an ambassador for the Colorado Independent Automobile Dealers Association. And we're launching a program that that helps dealers understand that single moms need an amended schedule. They're going to sell cars, but they need an amended schedule because they are moms. Okay. And that should come first. And um, yeah, I challenge dealers to, you know, make that leap. Take faith. Do you want me to sell cars or do you want me to work a schedule? What's more important to you as a dealer? And if others are complaining, who cares? Because they're probably at the bottom of the totem pole. Winners don't complain. Only losers do. As harsh of a statement as that is, it's true. Let me ask a question real quick about, so you were on the sales floor when you were pregnant and you had your son. I was a finance manager when I was pregnant. Did you Uh find difficult in the automotive industry being pregnant? Not be, but I mean, there's some things that go along with pregnancy and even after pregnancy (laughs) for the mothers who want to breastfeed and having that time that's needed because, you know, for men, it's my wife just went to the hospital. I'm going to go meet her and then I can be right back. Right. Yeah. I'm going to stop for lunch and then I'll be right back. (laughs) So that's a great question. Um, Let me flash back 13 years and, and I don't remember it being difficult that much. I can say my team of managers was so supportive of me all the way around, even even as crazy as I was, I was a producer and they stood behind me. I took a month or so off, maybe two months and came right back into the swing of things. They had no problems with it. They had, you know, I didn't have any issues. And if I needed to leave because I was sick, they let me leave. If I needed to, in fact, I remember I did go to an amended schedule. I did go to an amended schedule. They let me work um, an eight hour shift Monday through Friday. I think I did transfer to the sales. I was either sales or finance, now that I remember. But I remember I did get to work an amended schedule when I got into third trimester. And they let me come right back into the thick of things when I was ready. After yes. I put my son's name as cash, after I put cash in daycare. And I had, I had to pump. I pumped. Um, I would escape when I needed to pump. And I'd get right back to work. You know, it's kind of like improvise and conquer here. What's the best advice you would give women in the automotive industry around the pregnancy and how to handle that and conversations maybe you have or maybe boundaries you set or in talking to women? Right. A, don't feel shame and B, do not be afraid to ask. I think those are two of our major hindrances as women is we think We don't deserve to ask. We think we have to handle so much. So we don't open our mouths. I say be vocal, especially especially when you're kicking butt. All right, you can ask for whatever you want. Trust me, been there, okay? 
So ask for that amended schedule. Ask for the time that you need. Say, hey, I, but, but have that line of communication. Don't just throw it on your managers, but, but put a plan in place. I'm pregnant. Right around this time, I'll probably need to work an amended schedule. I'll be back six weeks after. What does that look like? Where will I be placed? Will I still be in finance? Will I still be on the sales floor? Will I still be a manager? You know, I only have a sitter for Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, will I be able to bring the kiddo in at five after I, um, after when he gets off of school? And, and, and is it okay if he, I make a little play area over here? Have an open line of communication. Ask, 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 ask. You will be surprised how many managers and, and the team that at your dealership will be okay with it because they probably have wives that went through it. They probably have mothers who went through it or sisters and, and they understand. They really do. But if we don't ask, they're going to hold our feet to the fire and expect us to work the way we were working before we were pregnant or before kids. So, so we have to ask and we have to set the precedent and we have to let them know how the cow ate the cabbage when it comes to being a mother, a working mom. You know, we've got to set the standards. You, you have to teach people how to treat you type of deal. Um, and if you're in any decent Ooh, type of deal. I'm going to pause you. I'm going to pause you. Say okay. that again. That's powerful right there. What did I say? You, I can go and do the playback and I may even repeat it. But you have to teach people how to treat you. Absolutely. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, taking go, the church. <laughs> getting some hot quotes out of this right here. I love it. I love it. I'm so, getting hot enough to take my sweater off. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's what Femcanic does. Hi, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Amanda, let me ask this: Did you ever run into any type of discrimination because you're a female? You know, that's a great question, um, and I've been asked this before. I can't, I can't think of any blatantly. If that makes sense. I'm sure I did. I am absolutely sure I did. But I just can't think of any blatantly. Again, I was raised by a very strong woman who taught me that, you know, if you get punched in the face, you just keep moving forward. So even if I had encountered it, I didn't let it stop me. And I didn't go, oh, that happened because I'm a woman. I just know something happened and I needed to face that adversity and overcome it and succeed. Your so, mother sounds like an amazing woman. Let me tell you, she is. <laughs> what's, what's your mother's my mother name? Has, uh, my mother's name is Lori, and she was actually the first minority woman to run the Philadelphia Mint, which is the largest mint in the world. So the mint makes our coins. The largest mint. They make our coins. Oh, they mint God, our coins. Yeah, and it's in Philadelphia. Um, and she now runs the Denver Mint, actually, here in Denver, which is what originally brought us to Colorado. So she is an amazing woman. And let me, I have put her through the ringer. I'm an only child. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't the most delicate of flowers, let me tell you. So she was, but I tell you, like her words have always resounded with me no matter what I was going through or what I was doing at the time. You know, always just be stronger than your opponent, whatever that might be. And your opponent could be a person, it could be a circumstance, but overcome and succeed. There's no excuses. The world doesn't have time for it, you know, and, and you should hear, hear my friend. What's that? Hear, hear my friend. Yeah, the world, you know, the world doesn't. Oh, I couldn't because it was raining. Oh, Oh, I'm hungry or, oh, what, what, who cares? Just get it done. 
you know, get it done. So one way or the other, and you, you find out so much about yourself when you have that mentality, because I face so many challenges getting open. Um, even now, you know, every day is a challenge, you know, cars are, are, are expensive to buy on the wholesale side, you know, having to wear many hats, having to balance everything having to learn the business for myself because let me tell you it was one thing to spend other people's money but when you're spending your own you look at things a little differently so having so to true. learn every day on this learning curve I, I don't have time for excuses and I have a team of women looking at me to lead them into glory so to speak so not only do I have to worry about myself I have to worry about my team and their family uh, my family and and the community I we care about the products that we're putting out there and we want to make sure that we are are not just talking about it, but walking about it and doing the right thing to change the narrative of the automotive industry. I have to ask about the name of your dealership. It fascinates me and it's so catchy. How did you say Isn't it though? Go ahead so, and share it with the listeners. Okay, so Q. Lori Johnson again, my lovely mother. Um, her last name is Johnson. So I wanted the name to be Amanda's Amazing Auto Emporium, right? Not, um, <laughs> not egotistical at all, right? Not even close. And so, and I think I even added like warehouse at the end or something. And I'm telling my mom and she's kind of like, are you kidding me right now? And she paused and in her infinite wisdom, she goes, how about Gojo? And I said, what, what are you talking about, woman? Well, G-O is for Gordon, my last name, and J-O is Johnson, her last name. Gojo, Gordon Johnson, and then the three dots in the middle of our logo is actually for my mother, myself, and my son. Q Gojo Auto. And then upon doing some more research on it, Go is like one of the top three most Google words. So Gojo pops up really easy in search engines or search criteria, and it really does just flow. And then my favorite color has always been pink. So I, we did uh, rose gold, which I call adult pink. Um, adult our, pink, I love colors. it. Yeah, it's adult pink. <laughs> and so um, cue up Gojo Auto, and here we are. I was wondering about that when I saw it. It definitely rolls off the tongue nicely. Yeah, it, it does. It works. And I'm like, where'd you get that from? And when she explained it to me, I'm like, you've been thinking about that for a while. There's no way you just came off the cuff with that name, woman. <laughs> Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. We'll never know. The world will never know. But <laughs> there's that's some, Gojo. I love it. There, there's something that you'd mentioned in the pre-interview form that I think is a great message to share with the listeners. It's not only applicable for entrepreneurs, but you kind of mentioned it before when you talked about keeping the open dialogue with the dealership, not having to do it all yourself. Oh, one of the hardest lesson I had to learn because I was, and I, I say this with perspective because it imagines, it depends on how big you want to be. There are some car dealers here who sell five, 10 cars and it's just them by themselves and they make a decent living. They go home and they are all good. That is not the model that I envisioned. It's not the model that we want to become, we want to be big so that we can make a difference because um, unfortunately nobody really notices the little guys, right? In order to gain some recognition, you've got to make waves. 
And in, in attempting to make waves, I was doing and taking on way too much, which wasn't allowing me to do what I do best. And that's sell cars to the community that I love. I, I still, till this day, 17 years later, love selling cars. It is fun. First time buyers are my favorite. Just, just the excitement and the energy that comes from that. So I, and I want to talk about my first car buying experience, which, which kind of went into why I was super duper okay with getting into the industry. So I was doing too much. I have a girlfriend who we talked about going into business car related some years ago. And she is someone I know, love and trust. She's been in the industry almost 20 years herself. In fact, her husband runs a large dealer group here in Colorado. So I went to her and I said, I need you. <laughs> it was the, one of the toughest phone call coffee meetings that I've ever made because I didn't want to give up Gojo. I didn't want to give up Gojo, but a good business friend of mine said, would you rather have a part of Gojo and it be huge and successful or all of Gojo and lose it? That resonated Ooh, really strong with me. That's powerful. Yeah, and of, yeah, and of course, it was like, well, damn, if you put it like that, <laughs> uh, that's a no-brainer, right? And and the first person I thought of was who who eventually became my partner now. And you always have to work. We came to terms, and it made sense. And yes, I was giving up a piece of my baby, but I wasn't giving up all of my baby because you're going to have to pry that out of my cold, dead hands. But I did give up a piece <laughs> of my baby. But giving, giving up a piece, I gained so much more because she was able to take off so much of my plate on the business side. You know, it's one thing to know how to bake cakes. It's another thing to run a bakery. And that's where I was at with the car business. Yeah, you know, learning and growing. And, and I knew how to do it because I did it for other dealers, but having to do it all. You, you do, do not put yourself in a position where you have to do it all. That's, it's kind of the perks of being the boss. You're supposed to delegate. You know, you're not supposed to have to do it all. And, and part of my ego was like, well, I have to. I have to buy. I have to sell. I have to do the vendor relations. I have to do the community involvement. I have to do everything because I'm Amanda and I'm Gojo. It's not true. Your business can be successful. I, I'm doing what I'm great at. Uh, my partner does what she's great at. And then our sales staff gets to do what they're great at. You know, compartmentalize, departmentalize, give everybody. It's kind of like the assembly line with uh, Ford back in the day. Give everybody, uh, you know, give them their portion that they're great at and let them be great. And then give the other group their portion and, and let them be great at their portion. And, and in doing that, it's already made a world of difference. I'm able to sleep at least five hours a night now. <laughs> and it, it just, it really, and then, and then you know, it's, it's kind of like rinse and repeat. So when we're ready for Gojo number two, We've already got the formula. We've already got the formula. It's already figured out. Now we just duplicate it and then rinse and repeat, duplicate, rinse and repeat, duplicate. So asking for help, one of the hardest things to do, but just like when we talked about, um, you know, single moms or, or mothers in general, you've got to open your mouth. You've got to ask for help. You've got to. And there's no shame. There's no shame. The shame comes when you don't ask for help and you lose it all because, because you didn't reach out and say, hey, I need help. Yep. Now you had mentioned that you did want to share the story about your first purchase. My first car, my first first car purchase, and I hope this guy is not still selling cars because he was just a butthead. So I'm 16. 
my first car, got my license. On my, my mom kept me out of school, got my license on my 16th birthday. I was very active. I played uh, junior Olympic softball, very social, very, very, all of that. I'm sure it's hard to tell. But I, so my mom couldn't wait to get me a car so I could drive myself around. So we go to get this car. It's a 1996 Hyundai Accent manual transmission, which my mother gave me a 15 minute lesson in the parking lot and said, okay, now follow me home during rush hour traffic. That's another story. I love you, mom. And the guy was just very nonchalantly like, cause my mom, I don't know, probably six or seven grand. This is back in 98 or so. And, uh, on my first car, which I think is a nice, handsome sum. That's that's very liberal. Uh, I've seen some parents who are like, I get a grand and <laughs> make it work. Yeah. And so um, the guy's like, yeah, whatever. Let me see if I can find you something. And he like takes us to the this back lot and just kind of left us there on our own. My mother, bless her heart, already has high anxiety, is like not enjoying this process at, at all. We finally pick out a car. And I'm like, okay, you know, it, it looks like this one will work. And he's like, well, it doesn't even matter. I'm not making any money on it. This this little car, I'm not even making any money on it anyway. So whatever. I just ruined my first time car buying experience, which is why I think wow. I'm tuned with first time buyers because I just feel for them. And I remember my experience. And there's been times where I've helped first time buyers set up their insurance. I help them out a lot with that, making sure they get the right coverage um, at an affordable price. And I've even met people at the DMV, first-time buyers, who didn't have any resources or any family out here. I've met them at the DMV to help them get their place. And they still buy cars for me till this day. That's um, next level because, right there. Yeah, you know, but I, I just, I awesome. feel for them because who's going to help them? Who's going to help? If, if we don't, who, who will? Right. Um, and it's so important that they're set up for success on that first purchase. Because as you know, it can be detrimental if they fall into a trap that first go around. It's tough to dig out of that. Yep. And a car, a car is the second largest purchase people make in their life. And it's a lot of money. I don't care if it's two grand, three grand, 10 grand, 20. It's a lot of money. So that was my first time car buying experience. And I can see his face in my head right now. And I, I hope he's retired. I really do. <laughs> I, I hope he is too. I, I'm actually going to share something that you wrote in the pre-interview form. You just had just full of inspirational things. I'm going to read it. And then what we're going to do, Amanda, is launch into the red line round. Prior to that, I want to share with the listeners what you wrote on your pre-interview form. I asked okay. in my pre-interview form for my guests, what are some themes that you hope for the listeners to gain? And one of the things that you wrote, was do it your way. There are 7.53 billion people living on earth, meaning there are 7.53 billion different ways to live a life. Make yours count. That's amazing. Mm. I love it. Yeah. And that goes for, I literally had to tell one of my best friends that the other day because she thinks I need to do everything the way she does things. <laughs> and I was like, do you know how many people are on this earth? And I Googled it and I was like, 7.53 billion. That means there's 7.53 different ways to live a life. Why yes. do I have to do it? And yes. I mean that because, you know, the little nuances that each one of us possess are what make each one of us unique. And we might have a thought in our head that says, no, I can't do it that way because it's never been done that way. Well, that's exactly why you should do it that way, because it might be better. Henry Ford said, if I would have asked the people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. So keep that in mind when you're moving forward, trying to conquer the world. Change is 
the only thing that is constant. So when you've got an idea that might sound radical, it's probably the best idea you've ever had and you should probably move forward with it. I am so with you. I shared with my family that I was going to do a podcast. Now, granted, I'm like a serial entrepreneur. And I'm I'm going to keep trying things until it feels right. And right. this podcast is feels right. But there was funny looks and what are you doing? Right. Well, it was the podcast. <laughs> they just don't get it. And that's okay. They don't have to. As long as you do. Yep. Go. Go. All right, Amanda, you ready for the red line question? Fire away. Number one, who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Uh, oh, in the industry. Well, maybe in, in the industry and maybe outside of the industry. Well, outside, it's absolutely my mother, um, hands down. Within the industry, I would have to say Derek Edwards. He was my manager when I first got into the business, and him and I bumped heads. He was only two years older than me, but he had three years of experience. He had gotten into the industry when he was 18. He had beat me by a little bit. And he was my manager, and we used to bump heads. One day, I cussed him out, and we were best friends ever since. And he... That doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. I mean, I gave them the who you think you talking to with the sister girl neck roll and the the finger and the all that. Yeah. And my general manager was like, look, you two need to figure it out because I was selling cars. He was doing his thing as manager. You know, he had probably manageritis at the time. And I had California can't tell me nothing at the time. And after we kind of came to get to know each other, we had more, more um, similarities and differences. And I, we're, we're great friends till this day, till this day. Um, so I would definitely say Derek Edwards is my main. Um, then there's the Mary Sagonas, the um, Rose Lavelle, uh, Jeff Noblet, Yuri Ablin. Who else? Who taught me? Um, absolutely, Becky Goodgain, Courtney Goodgain. It's a tribe. I mean, just, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, it is a tribe. It takes a village. I tell you what, it takes a village. And now I have resources and a network that extends outside of Colorado. You know, I've got Carrie Wise. I've got uh, Patrice Banks, owner of Shecanic. You know, I've got people who, uh, Jeanette Sanders with Westlake. I, I've got Brittany Hibden, who owns, her and her husband own uh, dealership Hibden Motors in NorCal. Um, and she's just an amazing, amazing human being. She's a light within the industry. So uh, so my reach, it just, it just keeps growing. It just keeps growing. And, you know, I used to look, I used to inbox people, will you mentor me? Will you, will you mentor me? And one day I read a quote, you know, it said, when you're doing the right thing, you'll start attracting the right people. You don't have to go look for it. And, and I must be doing the right thing because it's happening. You know, just the right people in the right network are starting to get uh, aligned with, with my business and my purpose. And it's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful thing. Stars are aligned. Yeah, they are. And you, you know, as you know, you can't do this alone. You really can't. You really can't do this by yourself. Those are those are my inspirations. And and you know, at, at some point, Jamie, I really have to take a look back and say, you know, I, I inspire myself too. Every day I'm getting better. And you've got to, as women, we've got to pat ourselves on the back for that because geez Louise, it ain't easy. That you is know? a beautiful <laughs> message, Amanda. And you know, that is not <laughs> conceit. It's not. 
It's what right, we need to right. do. We need to do more right, of that. Right. I mean, I girl, you should hear my pep talk in the morning. You got this. You're the best. You're only getting better. I'm telling you, we you're need beautiful. to do that. You're beautiful. Cellulite is fine. It's okay to have a pimple. The list goes on. Yep. <laughs> yep. It is okay. It is okay. And we do have to pat ourselves in the back. Every, every day that my doors are still open is a successful day as far as I'm concerned. So... We look in the mirror and we tell ourselves we are badass women. And that is not conceit. It is it is deserved. It's necessary. Because mm -hmm. if we don't believe it, who the heck else will? That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's necessary. So like I said, at some point I I do have to say I, I inspire myself to know where I came from to where I am right now and to know that I've got so much more to go. It's inspiring. It's inspiring, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the journey ahead. As much as I am um, taking time to enjoy the moment like these, just talking to you and, and sharing my story just, just makes me so giddy and so humble and so honored to be able to have these chats and to be the person that I wanted to become within the automotive space. You know, instead of searching for somebody, I'm, I'm becoming that person, and it's just so powerful. And, I, again, I don't take it lightly. Kudos, kudos, my friends. Number two, where do you go or what resource do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck at your job? Getting stuck. I, I've got to be honest. I, I pray a lot. I meditate a lot. So I do use my higher power um, when I'm stuck to reveal some things to me. And then as far as training, I'm online constantly and I'm always reading. Currently, I'm reading a book called Unf Yourself, <laughs> which That's just awesome. helps you get out. It, <laughs> it's a great book, and it just kind of helps you get outside of your head. I just read uh, before that. I read the Starbucks Experience, which is all about Starbucks and, and how they operate. I am constantly at, like I said, seminars and uh, training videos on YouTube. I listen to a ton of podcasts on when I'm driving. I'm either rocking out, getting pumped up for the day, or I'm listening to a podcast. And I, I read on, um, like I go to Auto News, I go to uh, SNI News, and just see the trends. I have access to a lot of different reports too that I'm privy to that I see what, what data is going on, what new trends are going on in the automotive space, particularly with used cars. And and I I talk to I talk to my crew my tribe a lot. What what do you see going on with this? What what would you do? Most of my team is just a text message away. Hey, I've got this issue. What what are your thoughts? And then I go from there. Asking for help. Asking for help. Awesome. We don't know it all. Yeah, seventeen years, and I'm I'm I feel like a beginner all over again. Isn't that a great feeling? I feel that way about this podcast when I started this. I felt like a fish out of water, but I felt so alive. No, it's so true. I've never, I have never worked this hard in my life and it doesn't feel like work. <laughs> well, I do this part time. I have my full, my full time nine to five job. I work for Safe Light Auto Glass and I do this on the side. I have two kids, uh, uh, Jaden and oh they're eight and 11 years old and I fit this in between all of that with great support from my partner. I couldn't do it without her. Right. I just feel so alive doing it. Yes. 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 
yes. I know yes, you yes, feel yes. me. I know you know what that's like. I do. I do because I pop out of bed and, and like I stated earlier, I don't have a, oh my God, I have to go to work. I have a, I get to wake up and do this every day. Wow. What an honor. Yes. What a great lead in to question three. What okay. excites you most about what you do? Honestly, <laughs> the look on people's face when I tell them I own a car dealership, that never gets old. <laughs> it never gets old. Um, and I typically am plastered in Gojo Auto paraphernalia, t-shirt, hoodie. Oh, Gojo Auto, what is that? I'm like, um, oh, it's my car dealership. Or, or, or what do I typically say? Well, when people ask me what what I do, which is just an awful question. People like, like, let's find a new creative way to ask that. I typically say, how do you spend your free time? And people use, ah, free time, what free time? I do blah, 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 and I don't have any free time. Okay, now you know what they do for a living. So, so when people ask me what I do, I say, um, I help people with their transportation needs, and I help um, promote women within the automotive space. What the hell does that mean? So then now we start a conversation and we can dive a little deeper. But when people find out that I actually own a car dealership, the look on their face is the most priceless. And that gives me joy and satisfaction. (laughs) And I I can die at that moment, a happy camper. (laughs) I I have to ask out of pure curiosity, do you get different reactions from females opposed to males? Or is it the same? I... You know, our, our biggest strike is ourselves. Women, we have two bad reviews out of about 50 so far, and they're both from women. And they are the most catty, maybe I'm being biased, but they're the most cattiest reviews that we've ever received. And I just think, I don't, I don't know if it came from jealousy or what. But but the women seem to be more snarky than the men. And I make sure that our ladies are dressed appropriately. I mean, this is not a sex shop by any stretch right, of the imagination. Right. This is not your typical uh, when you Google women in automotive and you get the bikini with the water fountain on the car. This is not that type <laughs> of thing. My, my, my ladies are respectable. They are knowledgeable. They know what the heck they're doing. And I make sure so that they're taken seriously, that they dress appropriately. You know, I don't want to defeminize them and desexualize them, but I definitely don't want, you know, tits hanging out so that that's the right. first thing everybody sees. And now the car deal goes out the window because nobody can focus on anything. Right. So, um, so that's very important is our look and our appeal. So I, I honestly, Jamie, would say that like women are more kind of put off by it. Now there are some who are like, heck yeah, I'm only sending business to you, fellow female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's some who are just like not having it. And and I they're not the they're not the powerful and inspired women that aren't having it. Because those women are the ones who uplift. They're the ones who, I don't know, probably don't have much ambition, probably been told what to do by their husbands for multiple years and they are just not into female empowerment and are not here for it and <laughs> Don't want anything to do with it, which is fine. Hopefully we don't run into too many more of them. Yeah, I'd say there's definitely a different reaction. Men men really don't they don't care. Like they just wanna they just want a car. Mm-hmm. Like men really don't they're just kind of here for the car deal. They think it's cool. They're like, oh that's pretty cool. 
Anywho, what can you tell me about the car? And I'll move right on. Yeah, let's women move on. Are either, women are either like super enthusiastic about it or they're kind of snarky. There's really no in between. It's interesting. Yeah. Number four, what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? So for me, it would have to be working out because I, I work out every day and that takes discipline. And that's kind of my only me time for me and, and my thoughts um, outside of meditation and, and pausing. Um, because as soon as I leave here, I typically have to go get my kid out and I'm mom. I don't have time for myself. I get up at 4.30 in the morning. That's when I do my meditation and I do my working out. That typically, if I'm in a rut, if I'm going through some things, just saying, get your butt to the gym, get, get moving, get those thoughts flowing, get those endorphins going, usually gets me inspired and gets me unstuck. Outside of that, um, really would just be prayer meditation or reaching out to one of my resources and saying, I don't know what the F to do. And, and they'll usually slap me into place. My, my team is great at not coddling my emotions. My, my team will never want to say, oh, Amanda, everything's going to be fine. You've, you've got this. You've got this. They'll be like, looky here. Okay, snap out of it. You've got stuff to do today. You got people looking at you. You need to figure this out. Now, wh where are you getting stuck? What can we do to fix it? You know, what, what have other dealers done? What, what are we doing? What are we looking at here? So between, um, you know, getting active, moving, getting going to get outside of myself and then calling, asking for help, that's usually how I get unstuck. And it hasn't failed me yet. Finally, what is your parting <laughs> advice to other femcanics finding their way in skilled trades in motorsports industry? Keep going. Keep going. We need you. There, there are little girls out there right now who are scared to tinker around on cars because they don't think it's right. There are little girls right now who are scared to talk about cars or, or, or wear cargo pants because they don't think it's right. And they need to see you doing what you do so that they know not only is it okay, but it's accepted and they can rock out in that industry. You are needed. You are needed more than you know. Woo, get the blood pumping. That's what I'm talking about. I know, girl. I'm about to cry. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I got. Representation. Represent. Represent for the little girls who are watching you. Because that's who we're doing it for. That is what I'm talking about. Where and how can people connect with you and Gojo Auto? Oh, woo! I thought you'd never ask. So gojoauto.com is our company website. You can reach me on Instagram just like you did. I think I'm the Amanda Gordon. Gojo Auto has an Instagram. Just Gojo Auto on Instagram. Facebook, we're huge on Facebook. So, and G yeah, email gojoauto at gmail.com. You can even reach me directly, gojoamanda at gmail.com. Um, and that's about all the social media I can handle at this point. That alone will keep you hopping. Amanda Gordon, yes. thank you so much for being yes. in the driver's seat today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you so much, Jamie, for having me. And keep doing what you do. We need you, too. We need you to be out there spreading the gospel about, about all these powerful females. We need you. So thank you, Jamie. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help 
grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?